0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane. We have Vail joining me. She is quite an astounding woman who has really dipped her toes in so many facets of the entertainment and dance music industry. It was so lovely getting to sit down and talk with her. We've been planning this for quite some time. Vail is A highly explosive, dark, and mysterious byproduct of the many years of her experience and footing within electronic dance music, her formerly known DJ project as Space Geisha, she toured the globe. She took everything she learned there from Psytrance to Tech House to Dubstep to everything in between and refined that to create what is known currently as Veil. Visuals play a huge part of her project, which if you've seen her live, you definitely see that to be true. Her discography really falls between dubstep, drum and bass, halftime and left field experimental bass. It's just a very cool endeavor that she's gone on and I had no idea what her journey was before I sat down and spoke with her. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear everything as always. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure you like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a review on Spotify podcast, leave a review on Apple podcast. It all helps more than you know. Let's hop into this. My name is Lizzie Jane. Let's hop into this. This is Lizzie Jane, and you are tuning into my podcast with special guest, Bale. Hey guys, so lately I've seen a ton of larger shows I've been playing at that a lot of these festivals and venues are no longer allowing bags that are not Clear. Well, guess what? Lunchbox Packs is coming in clutch again. They have just stepped up their anti-theft bags by releasing a fully clear hydration pack and snack pack. This is an absolute game changer for your summer festivals and events. Each bag is made out of TPU material that is incredibly durable, flexible, and made to not alter under extreme sun exposure over time. You also have the option to bring a skin in your bag on the way in, and once you're through that security line, you can zip on your skin for privacy of your belongings and to add some extra personalized fun flair. These hydration packs meet the majority of all festival regulations and guidelines. As always, these packs have all of the awesome anti-theft features as the original hydration and snack packs. Make sure you use code LizzyJane for $10 off any hydration pack and code LizzyJ for $5 off any snack pack. I will see you at the rave. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur eBoost gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur eBoost gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code
1: LizzyJane for 10% off any order.
0: Becca, Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. I'm glad we finally got to make it happen. You've been running around everywhere like a wild woman. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And for those who are not maybe familiar with your project, you go by Veil. I've seen you like come up over the years and like really produce like all of these different sounding like subgenres within bass music, which I love. And you have such like a listening to your music on the way here. Such a like grimy, deep overall sound, but then you're such like a pleasant, lovely <laughs> woman in front of me. It's, it's just crazy how everybody's journey is so different. Yes. Um, if you don't mind, give us like a little bit of background on yourself, like where you've come from. I know you've worked in totally different like facets and kind of roles in music before kind of stepping into Veil.
1: You always made music, were you involved in music, and that was what like made you want to start producing. Uh yeah, so I'd love to deep dive um a little bit. So I my first official music industry job, if you will, was I accepted a job running being the label manager for what is now my label Street Ritual. Okay. Yeah, and that was way back in 2012. Oh my gosh. So I for several years ran the label pretty casually um and had another like partner involved at that time. Um, he kind of fell off and I decided like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, I'm, I'm going to take ownership of the business, which I did mm-hmm. and keep this moving forward. Um, when I signed on to the label, we had 12 releases. We're about to hit our 200th. So that's wow. happened in uh, the last 11 years, which is crazy to think about. Um, and at simultaneously, I was also working a lot of events, um, stage managing and doing AR, so events like Lightning in a Bottle, Burning Man, Symbiosis, uh, Serenity Gathering, Lucidity, yeah, a lot of the West Coast stuff because at the time I was living um, right outside of San Francisco. Got it, got it. Um, And Then at Burning Man, my second year, I got to work with a club from San Francisco and we got essentially a huge stage and I was able to program six nights of music for 12 hours each night. Um, And I decided to put myself on the opening slot of that stage Mm because at that point I was like, you know, there's a lot of my guy friends on this lineup. Like I can do this and I'm going to go up there and just play all my label music. Um, I quickly fell in love with the art of DJing. But I think at that point I realized I was already kind of a selector my whole life. Like being a label manager, obviously you're selecting not in a real time DJ scenario, but you still are. And going back all the way to when I was a kid and I played on a lot of sports teams and whatnot, um, I would always be like making the mixes for the pregame mm-hmm. rituals. I actually DJed my high school dance with my gym teacher. So like I made a playlist and he put it on his computer. Yeah. And so I, when I reflect back, I think, OK, I've always kind of liked to be in charge of the sound, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But that year at Burning Man, I think it was 2014 was the first time I was like okay i'm I love this you know it was just about learning kind of the nuances to doing it live and then from there, it just exploded. my passion for it continued to grow, and um I worked with a lot of the artists on my label, you know kind of early stage artist management and business management stuff, not mm-hmm. kind of that at the level that I'm at now, but really early stage stuff like How do you get your project going? How do you make a logo? Basic stuff. Um, So I have a lot of that background on like how to brand and grow projects and um, that kind of insight into the industry, which a lot of artists like don't come into this game with. So uh, yeah, and my alias at the time, I decided to go by Space Geisha because that was actually a name given to me that year. It was my Playa name. Do um, you know anything about Burning Man? I'm about to go into yeah. Burning Man. <laughs> this yes, yeah. yes. They they give you a playa name. So my friend said, you know, you're just running around all weekend taking care of everyone. So I was also stage managing. And um he said, You're like a little space geisha. And I said, Okay, great, my sets tonight. Okay. That'll be my name. Um, so yeah, then I continued with that project. I had the pleasure of traveling abroad several times. I dj festivals in Australia, Norway, Sweden, Portugal. All with kind of this more like psychedelic based sound, mm-hmm. but integrating a lot of the at that time like deeper, heavy, slower psychedelic tempos that were coming out of America. So yeah. that was like the white white bear, tribone, um, which is all very I would put kind of in a, a box with Tipper. If okay, you know? I know, got it, got so it. So Tipper was kind of like the dad of that. Um, But it's funny because a lot of times now I'll go to these huge EDM shows and people are like, you've ever seen Sudden Death? And I'm like, no, I was literally in Portugal for two like the whole summer. Like I miss a lot of that early EDM phase Mm -hmm. because I was just kind of in a different more like psychedelic world of music, if that makes sense. Um, And then, you know, as my interest grew with DJing, I just I got hungrier and hungrier to learn how to like make my own s- songs and a lot of that comes from like wanting to cu- curate a specific dance floor experience yes. with being a- and being able to do that through my songs instead of like finding other songs. Um and then the pandemic hit. So I had already been like casually working on music prior to the pandemic hitting and I decided um you know I have the next year at home. So yep. I'm going to finish these tunes I'm going to take lessons I'm going to get way more serious about this so I and through that I also decided to rebrand um to veil and for a lot of reasons I think just the my old project was I played every genre of (laughs) like psychedelic leaning bass music that you could like Mm -hmm. psytrance house um dubstep some techno so I really wanted to just tighten everything up and kind of You know, I looked at it as space station was this big rainbow, and I really wanted to tighten things up into like two colors and a little bit more um, streamlined of a a sound. And, you know, that happened around my 30th birthday. So I think also like going through all of my 20s working in music, it was a way to like redefine how I wanted to approach the future in music and at a lot more like refined level. Um, so I'm very grateful that The Veil Project has been, you know, able to to do that, to help me through that of kind of like the next phase of my my passion for music and being able to put, put all that out. So absolutely. I mean, what a
0: journey. First yeah. Stop. <laughs> Holy shit. And I think I think everybody has this journey on their their way up. And so many of the women that I've sat down with, whether it's like you know, not necessarily having on the podcast, just having as friends or understanding their background. Like Abby 100 Drums is a good example. I mean, Maddie O'Neill, she's coming on next. Like all of these, these women kind of worked within this space or they've just been doing it for so long to play in the GM bands and then kind of cross over to mm-hmm. the CDM and then figure out exactly what they want to do. And I also think Peekaboo is the one who always comes to mind for me the rebrand or the new project is kind of taking all of this experience and work thus far and applying that knowledge to something that exactly what you said is very streamlined, it is very cohesive. You know what your vision is, you know the type of music you want to release. And I think a lot of like artists, and this has especially happened with me since I've been like Lizzie Jane since the beginning you go through these periods of like times where like you really love making something and then it's kind of like, well, wait, like I'm growing and I'm developing and maybe this doesn't really accentuate what I'm great at anymore. And then you have to redirect and whether that's through a rebrand or an album or an EP, I mean, you see it in pop music all the time. And I just, I think hip hop and all of those guys and I think it's something where an EDM you're very often looked upon to fit into this bubble. And if you don't fit into the bubble, it's really hard for an agency or a label to really invest in you and say, okay, are you going to be bringing the same kind of scope to the page Mm -hmm. or to the table every time where we can put you on a tour with Liquid stranger and we know that people are going to follow you and and you're going to keep developing and keep growing as an act and you're not going to go like haywire to the left side and do something so different. And, like, there's definitely, like, a love and hate in between that. And I mm-hmm. think now more than ever, I think consumers and fans are just so much more invested and interested that they're a little bit more open to artists doing different things, mm-hmm. which I love. And I always feel like the Wakon kind of deep family has always really put that on a pedestal to be, like, quote-unquote, okay for their artists to do different things. And mm-hmm. then, Maybe it goes to, like, Martin's label. How do I pronounce it? Sasquan? Sasquan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I look at it all the time and in my head I'm like, okay, like, is this, like, the Sketchuan sauce or is this, like, Sasquan? <laughs> but, yeah, like, I love that because it kind of shows that, you know, people just have these interests. There's I don't think there's any one person I've met that's, like, I want to listen to, like, Headbanger Dubstep every day, every minute until the day I die. Like, people have different moods. People have different yeah. things to listen to. And I think as an artist, like, you have that within yourself as well. Like, making the same shit over and over again, starting with a 140 template, you know, going into your catalog of sounds. It's cool, but, like, very often, the only times you're going to grow as an artist is when you do uncomfortable things and you kind of take yourself to that next level of exploration. And then you could end up, like, loving it. And I guess coming out of, like, your first decade in music, how did you know that Veil vale was going to be this, you know, slow like wompy experimental bass music also paired with a little bit of drum and bass, a little bit of psychedelic bass, you know, like what kind of made you make that decision to commit to that specifically? Uh that's
1: a great question. So, I think well, I know that prior to Figuring out that my name was going to be Vail moving forward. I knew the way that the project was going to feel and look. It was very much like a feeling Mm -hmm. that I was holding on to. And I spent months, literally, my best friends will tell you, going through every possible name you could ever imagine, like using, you know, all different kinds of weird tactics to find new words, new spellings. And we really ran the gamut on options, I'd say. And but, like I said, the whole time, I knew the feeling and the sound, and I think that over the years with Space Ga show, like they're, I'm really influenced by like global sound, so not just like EDM, like like what we call EDM here in America, but like psytrance people a lot of people don't realize this like. Psytrance dominates the electronic music community across the okay. globe. Like you go to any other country and that is what's playing at main stage. It's so crazy. Yeah, and we don't we don't get that here as much, but um the with psytrance at least I take away like really heavy kicks, really heavy subs, yep. really psychedelic moments, breakdowns, um you know, vocals and lyrics in the songs that actually have depth and meaning besides just like a ball or whatever. Um, which I do too. Don't get me wrong, but I knew I wanted to take that that heaviness from what I got from Psytrance and more mid tempo, like our style psychedelic based music, and and apply it to like uh, what I heard thus far in EDM, which was a lot of just heavy, heavy, heavy. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of ride that line of like creating really heavy music that also has that like nuance nuance of psychedelia, like a kind of this elusive feeling, you know, a little yeah. bit scary, a little bit sexy and kind of put it into a live experience that runs the, you know, I just said this, but runs the gamut of all the genres. Um, I knew I wanted to be multi genre but I I also knew that, so when I do my selecting, like I listen to songs that for me still fit in the veil bubble, but mm-hmm. I, lo- I like my favorite thing to do and I think the most important part of it is being able to get on the edge of that bubble
0: yeah. like you were saying yep.
1: before and kind of ride that line of like take genre risks um at the time i you know had no like if you would have told me then that like you you're going to open on Subtronics tour or yeah. BTSM tour or something i would have been like oh you're silly like i didn't have these lo- like huge goals of being able to reach that wide with the sound but as soon as I started the project and saw kind of like the impact I was having in my sets, I it it hit me that like mm-hmm. you know, even artists like subtronics who plays, you know, predominantly like rhythm, like their this experience still resonates with them and it will resonate with their crowds. Yes. So that this year particularly has been a big learning lesson in that of like playing, um, playing to new crowds that are used to one thing and getting them to trust you and then kind of going from there. And it's like so often you wheel.
0: It's kind of like that rope of pulling somebody in with things that they know and maybe they love or maybe edits and certain songs that they're familiar with and then doing your bootleg or doing right. your flip and then opening this like new journey within your set to things that like I always – Have been told, and I always hear kind of DJs give people what they don't know they necessarily want, but they do want it like subconsciously, kind of deal. Or they're they're ready to take that step and hear new things. And I like I'll always commend, you know, Jesse and Sonia and and the Black Tiger Sex Machine guys. Like people are ready to not hear the same shit for six hours, and I still think that maybe that hasn't hit necessarily like the niche dubstep scene because there definitely are fans that can do that for 12 hours and love it. Right. But I just feel like, you know, at a a venue like Red Rocks or a venue like Mission or at most festivals that we see now, you know, it's just not the same shit one after another after another after another. And there's so many individuals that are aspiring to do this and people who make great music who for some reason or another, maybe don't play shows or haven't made, you know, taken that step yet that are just making some crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and I know it's kind of hard from a talent buyer situation. And sometimes, you know, especially with, you know, festival like Gold Rush or festival like ABC, where you want to play the safe bets and you want to, you know, make sure that you're bringing in people that, everybody knows and loves, like the like likes, Atronics, likes holo, like black tire sex machine. But then the undercard is where you can kind of take those kind of gambits and, and gambles and roll the dice and say, all right, what they're doing is cool and unique. And I just feel like the name of the game, especially in our like generation of artists is how can you take what you're doing, hone your craft, hone your skill, and then be unique and like be yourself and like When you hear that song come on a playlist mix, you go, oh, that's Veil. Or when you know you, you have a live show, you know the vibe and the feeling and the emotion it's going to omit. But that takes a long time as an artist to develop. And oftentimes, it is very much so like a team is somewhat behind that, helping orchestrate the creative direction or the this or the that. Did you... Have some people in your corner in the midst of all of this saying, okay, this is what's coming to mind. This is what's doing this. Or was this very much so a clear vision of yours that has been kind of like
1: executed since day one? Uh, that's a great question. So there's kind of two sides of it from... <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's there's kind of two sides to it. I'd say... First of all, my creative director, he goes by 5'9. Okay. And him and I actually, my first burn, my second burn, um, and not my most recent one, but we worked on those stages together and we were Bay Area kids that were going to like wormhole events. And I knew him. He At that time, he was doing more stage design, CNC cutting, building insane pieces of art to go on stages that light up and all this, all this crazy so, installation. Yeah. Got it. Like very, like, hands-on wood projects. And then when I started like branding and getting merch done for my Space Geisha project, Joshi was the one to, he, he developed all the digital art for it and we translated a lot of that art to merch, right? So him getting involved was kind of the, just an organic thing. We're good friends. We collaborate well. Our styles are similar. And we're going to like, he's going to help me on Space Geisha. So he did all my design for that project. So when I was rebranding to Veil, he was, I I remember definitely having a moment of like, like a lot of people did, like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you're going to do that? Um, And once I kind of told him the inspiration and the vibe that I had been like curating in my head, he was on board, let's do this. Um, He then learned, taught himself how to VJ um, and animate and do all these other things. So flash forward to now, you know, he does all my animations, like, all of my art still, all of the merch. Um, but really has a huge hand in in helping me execute the vision because I'll come to him and say, Okay, look, here's three tracks. This is like for my last EP surveillance. Like, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like there's a woman and she's on a mission and she's trapped in a server and she's trying to like dismantle the patriarchy through. Defeating all these server bosses, like somewhere in the ethers that we can't even comprehend as humans. And he's like, Great, bet, let's do it. <laughs> so then we kind of like get together and we then film a lot of like live clips and shots yeah. of short ones and longer ones of that scene. So we spent like two days turning my old attic into a hacker den and had like screens everywhere and and whatnot. So so That vision very much is like comes from my brain and then he helps translate it and make it real. So I I don't think the Veil Project would, I mean, it wouldn't look or feel anything like it does without Joshi, who's 5'9". So he's definitely been an integral part of like helping that vision come to life. Um, Absolutely. And then the other side of things um, I had with Space Geisha. So I also knew Liquid Stranger, Martin, I booked him at my Burning Man stages in 2013 and 14. He gave me a little bandana. I still have it. Um wow. Back then, he was playing like a lot more deep psychedelic, down tempo, <laughs> mid tempo stuff. Um, so he, I, I always kind of knew him. He knew of me. We weren't like super close or anything. But when I actually like submitted a mix to it was he who must not be named festival. Yeah. <laughs> um, and i won the mixed contest to play at that event it was in cancun i don't even honestly remember what it was called um and at that point i had reached out to loper who's you know runs Wakan and manages martin and everything and the i man. said yeah and yeah. i you know like this is my sound you guys want to get involved and he's like very be interested be the fitting person yeah like he's 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 down is the message so um mm-hmm. it was very hard to then a month or two later, say, hey, so I know I have all this music I'm going to send you, but actually I'm rebranding, you know, and that was a huge risk in itself. I was like, you know, if they're not down, you know, I'm doing it anyway, whatever. Yeah. But he was all about it, here for it, ha- like stoked to put out. The That's how you me. know.
0: Yeah. And it's so often about like the individual and their work ethic and like, okay, if you want this and you're going to bring this to life and you have the team behind you do it running because it's like that's
1: what you're going to be most passionate about so you're going to be most invested exactly exactly and he was i think they was in kind of impressed with all the aspects that i had considered Mm -hmm. down to like the branding the merch designs every little nuanced thing like even the messaging and how everything comes across so uh but yeah i've always been kind of like a spearheader if you will on the project like i have a i've had both of my managers tell, you know, from the past, tell me that I, um, I know what I want and I'm going to do it. And having all that support along the way has only helped to propel it. Mm-hmm. So it it it's definitely like all come from my my brain, um, which is like you said in the beginning. It's funny because I'm I'm generally a very happy, positive, cheer, cheerful yeah. person. Yeah. But if you just like look at my Instagram, you're like, oh my god, like what? Like after my content, someone said, who are you so angry at? Like. <laughs> Um, and I had a girl actually come up to me and say, or, you know, we're chatting and I tell her I'm playing a set later. And she said, oh, you're I can't come to your set because I, I don't like scary movies was what she said. And she, and then like we're chatting for a while she's, she goes, you know what, but you're so friendly and bubbly and nice. So I think I'm going to come anyway, you know? And then she, the next day I saw her and she was like, I loved your set. But so I don't know. I think that's just the way I express a lot of those feelings in my art. Um. It's like
0: this alter ego almost. Like, do you feel it's that way when you kind of like because i I feel like I see obviously way more than two different types of artists, but I see artists who are very much so their project and there's not much in between. Like the person that you meet off stage is very much so gonna be the personality that you see on stage. And then you have people who they're just polar opposites. And it's almost like this Hannah Montana type of deal. Yeah. Where like it's this different. Personality and almost this like theatrical character that you're
1: stepping into when you perform. That's an interesting thing that I've never considered, but I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I don't feel like I'm stepping in to be Veil. Vale. Mm-hmm. I very much feel like Veil, vale, like in my everyday life, on a lot of ways, but I think that's just how I see the world and my general like style and aesthetic around my house and like. Like if you walk in my my studio, you're like, okay, this is the studio. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that is the the feeling and the vibe that inspires me. So I do, and I do think it's like taking the best parts of my, you know, not the best parts, but let's say the the darkest and the scariest, and you know, the refined parts of my personality, and like channeling them into angry bass music. Like I I just got a lot of energy, and I got a lot of like. You know, I got to put it somewhere. So bass music has been like the most relieving thing for that out of Mm -hmm. anything. Like performing a set for me is super cathartic and not just like as a persona. Like it genuinely helps my life feel better and feel like I'm putting good energy out there. So I think it's a little bit of both. But I do think that if you were to just kind of stumble across me and my branding, you might not realize like that I'm a really friendly, bubbly, happy person. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both because on stage I am usually angry. Not not actually angry. I'm like angry at how good everything sounds and how yeah. happy I am. I'm like, oh, you know, you just can't get enough of it. But that comes across as like angry a lot of the time. Absolutely. And I feel like for people who
0: don't like have the time to actually meet you, there's so many women artists that, Jeannie's like a great example like I, I think of so many like just heavy acts like Jessica Odford like those individuals where I mean for every like 10 women I meet 9 or like 9 out of 10 are like the nicest most friendly individuals yeah. period With Sonia. It's, it's 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 just such like a cool community to be in as a woman but then it's almost to me it's it's kind of like how important it is to have a creative outlet whether you make it your career and you're you know you're at all be all or it's something that you do at home behind closed doors and nobody sees it because it allows you it's like an analogy for like going to the gym or doing something that's like hugely an energy expenditure that is getting all of your pent-up energy your angry energy your happy energy out in one kind of like cumulative art form or effort towards something right and that's what I feel like being like an artist is and like when we step on stage like so often and I'm curious if you like do you plan your sets or are you kind of still like I'm putting everything together I'm gonna read the room I'm because I can definitely tell like you being like a selector like you having just the DJ background in you and met people who still do the playlist thing They, they go up there and they say okay I know what my intro is going to be, and I know the kind of vibe and journey I'm going to take somebody on. And then, if maybe the crowd isn't feeling it, I can dip into something else. I am not one of those individuals. I think I'd have a panic attack on stage, but I know people who like really in that craft can do it like the back of your hand.
1: Yeah. So I actually get asked this question a lot, and I, I do a, a pre-plan if that makes sense, and then I DJ live, so I don't know what I'm actually going to plan. And when I say pre-plan, I mean I usually develop a crate, like let's say I have an mm-hmm. hour set. I might put 100 songs in the crate. Okay. Um, Maybe 60 of them came over from my last crate. They're songs that I've been rinsing the last couple of weeks. And then for every gig, I'm always trying to like sub in another 20, 40 like brand new things. Um, Plus like obviously new whips and IDs from me and friends and whatnot. And then I group them by BPM and then In the BPM, I group them by style. So in my crate, it'll be like really deep dubstep in the beginning. Then, you know, maybe more wonky dubstep. Mm -hmm. Um, Then maybe I have a a 120 section with like 10 tunes. Then I have like a 150 section, 160. Then I have my drum and bass section. And I usually like at at the end, then put a lot of um, kind of just other outlier tracks that are good for like, Closing sets, if yes. that makes sense, and then from that hundred, I freeform DJ all of that by reading the crowd. Got so it. I it's funny because I have like a lot of anxiety, and I plan I plan everything in my life. I'm yeah, like a hyper planner. So the fact That's that so I don't plan my DJ sets <laughs> is really off brand for my anxiety. Yeah. Um, but it in some way, and I've tried to like express this to people, like planning the sets almost gives me more anxiety because I don't feel like I have the ability to pivot if okay. need be. Yeah. And I think that when you're in old parts of my career, like when I was space Keisha or um even beginning veil sets, like that was less important to me because I was playing very familiar safe events. Whereas like this year I and last year, you know, I'm playing huge events with like the commercialized circuit. Yes, yeah. exactly. So what much larger scope and I I feel way more in control when I have the ability to pivot when needed, like you said. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the drum and bass is not hitting tonight. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of it a little faster, you know, or, wow, they're loving the drum and bass right now. Energies it's are peak. I'm going to keep ripping them. And then from there, like, let's say I decide, I'm all right, I'm now I'm going to end the set with this. I might, like, go into another crate, like Red Rocks crate, from a few months ago and check the B tracks in there and maybe pull one or two from there. So yeah. it's still very much like I can reference um, old songs. It's not like I'm, I'm limiting myself to that crate, but that crate gives me a roadmap, if yes. you will. Yes. Um, but I come from a very strong DJ background. When I learned to DJ and was starting to play my first Space Geisha gigs, I did plan a few sets and I swear to you, I messed up more Trying and, to follow my plan. Yeah. And was like, I can't do this. Like I need to really be able to just make a left or right turn. Everyone <laughs> is so
0: different too. Yeah. Like I I definitely like, and do you like set cue points and stuff too? Or do you like just really? I guess you would still obviously really need to know your music, but for me, it's like pilot control. Like I wanna be able to be backwards looking up and say a b a b a b right maybe c and d for certain loops if i'm like doing a drum bass section or if i'm going more into a little bit more bass house kind of deal but yeah like do you kind of run off of
1: those key points you're like no i know exactly where i'm going no so with my i use the key points i think a little differently but i usually mark like b at the drop And then I do a 16-bar, 32-bar, and 64-bar cue points before the drop. Got it. And then I usually put another one at the beginning of the breakdown and then another one at the beginning of the second drop. Mm -hmm. So what that does for me is as I'm playing live, like if I'm, because this isn't planned, right? So I'm like, ooh, I'm going to play this track and ooh, this double's sounding good. And I'm listening to it in my headphones. Now all of a sudden the double doesn't sound good. I can just, Go back on my cue point to the beginning of the song. So I can I use then the cue points as like a roadmap in the song. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, I actually want to drop this fast now. I want to do a quick drop and like no breakdown at all. It's like, oh, I got 16, 16, 16, boom, 16 bars, it's gonna Mm -hmm. drop. So I kind of have those to help me DJ on the fly better, if that makes sense. No,
0: absolutely. It's very much similar to like adding. Do you work in Ableton? Yes. It's like adding locators in Ableton, like based on like yes. the structure of the song, like build what you said, build break intro, you know, part one A, one B, two A, two B of yep. each drop, and then yeah, because that, that's you know I want to get better with it for sure. It's it's definitely like if I do a live element or if I do singing, it's way more planned than if I'm just right. jang. That, that makes sense, but. I want to be able to be, you know, the stuff with the devils. And especially like in this kind of new drum and bass era that is finally, and it's not new in the States. I just think it's new commercially being yes. very supported. When yes. I saw, what was it? Rampage is doing finally an event in the States. Yeah. When I saw that, I was
1: like, all right, it's time. Yeah. Like, it's time. If they're yeah. coming over here, we're here. We're Insomniac's predominantly drum and bass y- festival. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and it's 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 cool. I mean, I think it's the more people that know about it. I mean, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I definitely think like just as dubstep came up, just as experimental bass came up, like it's more space for everybody to have such diversity within electronic dance music, which is always so exciting. And I guess keep going back to like Burning Man. I have not had the pleasure of going yet. I think it was a lot More difficult for us to justify coming from Florida because it's so far. Right. But out here, you know, like I live down the street, Beacon, which is a Burning Man bar. I've met so many people who have their own carts and their own crews, and and it makes it kind of an easy transition if and when you wanted to partake. But like tell me about, I guess, your experience of Burning Man over the years. Everyone I've talked to really does say it's been like a staple in their life whether it's an artist or somebody who works in music or nobody who works in music and it's you know they do their own
1: thing and they go to Burning Man every single fucking year right it's it's i mean honestly a magical place that is hard to describe in words it's like if you're at a festival and you walk around and you see like what did i see at Wakhan a guy had like a mini um i forget what it's called when the you have you try to get the stuffed animals with the claw
0: Oh, like yeah, like the games that you would yeah, play. Like, right? right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I
1: had one on the, the ground at, you know, UConn that was mini and I was like, wow, that's some burning man shit right there. Cause like like just some highlights. Like I was in the in a dust storm in deep playa and you're stuck there. You can't go anywhere for hours because you can't you don't want to get hit by an art car. And this van rolls up and they open the side of their door and they give us Alaskan tuna. Like all on ice. Like just some Crazy things that you're like, did that actually just happen? <laughs> and like, and I think that it's like the energy and the effort of everyone there to create that the weird fucking place that it is. Um, really is special to me. But my first two years going, I went for 14 days and worked oh, on shit. the stages. So I and like 14 days on playa means Full like investment. 21 days by the time you're getting there. And I was in the Bay Area, in the Bay Area. It's like more of a norm because yeah. it's right there. It's like know? it's like what twelve, fifteen hours longer um, than so. Yeah, it's about twelve hours. But okay. with you know my first year going, we drove in my Subaru and towed a trailer. The trailer broke down. It took us like thirty hours to get there, oh, even though we were like twelve hours away. Close. So it's still like always a journey. But I think for me, my first two years going, I was just so exhausted from being there. Like by the time the party actually started, you're, I was you're already, like ready to go. Oh, I had already lost my voice twice. Yeah, you know, yeah. like gotten it back twice. Like, um, so then my third year going was in twenty sixteen and I decided I'm not doing anything but playing sets, mm-hmm. which in my mind I thought, okay, I'm not gonna work very hard. I was wrong. I played eleven sets. I was running around the playa all oh the God. time trying to like get to the sets or, you know, find the art car or get ready for a set or whatever it was. So like my all my Man experiences have been very like I'm working very hard but then when I reflect on what other people experience there is like it's not a fa- <laughs> you have to like to work hard to yeah get there.
0: I've heard it's just the biggest effort and investment like do not go to Burning and if you think it's gonna be like just the videos you see online and just a ride in the sun and yeah. you're there and then all of your shit's there like no like I, I just every single person I've talked to you has said there's a journey in itself just to there right and then once you get there you literally have to like build your like compound and make sure everything is sourced and make sure everything's taken care of in case of like a weather emergency or in case of right. whatever whatever and then you don't even realize how big the fucking places get yeah, that city you're not even gonna city. see it in the week time span or two week time span that you're actually there yeah no,
1: it's definitely like you have to be slightly psychotic and like to put yourself in hard situations mm-hmm. and want to be able to survive on your own. But I will say like I feel more equipped as a human after living in the desert three separate times for two weeks having to like do everything for myself. Like yeah. it, it gives you this kind of like assuredness of like, okay, I can handle a lot. Yeah. You know, I can handle a lot. I can handle. So for me, it was just. Growth in in those ways, and just also opening my mind to like the culture outside of just EDM or bass music or Psytrance, trance, whatever it is. Like yeah. it, there is a larger culture that we're a part of, which is just being free, being open minded. Mm-hmm. Art, you know, art being a heavy leading indicator of that of that world, and the art there is just. I mean, it's out of this world, you know, so it's it's definitely something I would recommend anybody should go to. I hear you on like, it's way easier to go when you're closer. You yeah. Know? And um, I will be hopefully going back next year. I I feel like I've, I have have this itch in my body yeah. that
0: I'm like, Ooh, it was like next year. It like, do you mark it off a calendar? Like, do you like fully commit like I had friends who like are like we have like you do the application thing and then the camp opening, but like you can pay for like. You know, it's like seven or eight hundred dollars, and it like has your ticket, but it also has like your water and just stuff that like as a regular civilian in in our day and age, you're not thinking about that you have to fucking
1: have every day to survive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm just like itching to play music there again. Like, yeah, just
0: is the music just like fine? Like, obviously, you see like the big things, you know, the Diplo, the this, the that, but like, is it just people just like want to dance? Like, can you play whatever the fuck you want? Like, how does how do those sets, like, become orchestrated?
1: Um, so it's it's kind of like, who do you know to get sets there? Yeah. You know, like, for example, Camp Q, they're the biggest bass music. Yeah. You know, and they have an insane lineup. Like, I know a guy who knows a guy who can get me on that lineup. Great. Um it's all kind of like a free for all though. Like you might show up to see Diplo and he's nowhere to be found. Like it's not like a festival where things <laughs> yeah. are like No, there's not like a schedule. I'm not like pulling well, up. There is, there oh, there is, is. a okay. schedule, but it's taken, I think, with a grain of salt. Got it. For everyone. Yeah. Because crazy things happen out there. <laughs> right. But yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm interested to see like I think for Vail at least on the playa next year, like I'll play things that I wouldn't you wouldn't find me playing anywhere else. You okay. know, just For vibes. And it's like, cool, the big bass stage, I'm going to play some angry bass music for sure. But there'll be a lot of other like art cars and whatnot where like I would love to do an all drum and bass set. Like I did an all Psytrance set at my last burn and it's like one of my biggest mixes on SoundCloud, ironically. Really? Um, Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so like I, I just think I was really glad I hit record on that one. But um, I just think you can kind of just do whatever you want, like have fun and mm-hmm. people vibe with it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's freeing for an artist as well. Absolutely. yourself, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. Because, again, it's, you know, once you kind of make that transition out of being a whatever you want to be, play your type of vibe, kind of DJ or actor artist, you definitely like when you get booked as Vale at Wakan or when you get booked as Vale here. People are like, I'm going to hear Vail's music. This is going to have a Vail type of vibe. And it's hard to say, well, you know what? I'm feeling like progressive. house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I definitely have heard so much. And overall, I've just heard it's just such like a, a not like a life-changing experience, but it just teaches you so much about yourself. Yeah. And you come out of it with like very much so, like a processed kind of thinking of how to maybe approach certain things that you didn't know how to approach previously. And in addition to that, it's like, especially with Burning Man being now in 2023, not necessarily what it was in 2012, you know, you have these people who are kind of like, oh, it's where all these celebrities go and it's where all this happens. and But it's really about art First off, like the art installations and like the the camps and doing like the actual burn that happens on that Saturday. And like everybody says, if you go, you have to partake in the burn. You have yeah. to, you know, take the time to go and do these certain like events and celebrations that are what this is all really about. And it's, it's so crazy, like not experiencing it myself, but I'm sure in your mind, like seeing the duality between like that and your average like commercialized medium festival. And it just being so different. And I guess with your just experience overseas to now what electronic dance music has become in the stateside, is it just so different or is it, you know, there's certain things that are very similar and then there's certain things within those cultures that are just different as it
1: would be going to visit somewhere overseas? Um, I think it's, I think the sentiments are the same. Like we're gathering for... Joyous purposes for peace, for music, for community, for acceptance, mm-hmm. right? But it it feels very different. Like the the largest festival I went to over there was in Portugal. It's called Boom Festival. Okay, I've heard. Happens moves. every yep. other year. They actually have global music. So one of their stages is all dubstep. I saw Mala there. I saw Koki there. I saw the OG, yeah, um, kan, Kanji or Kangi. I never know how to say that right, but like the the craziest dubstep, like from like, like real dubs, like yeah. OD dubstep. Yeah. So, yeah. Boom is very much, they have every genre, but the main stage, which holds 60,000 people, is Psytrance. Um, I did see Hot mm-hmm. play at that stage. Yeah. And that was just an out of this world experience. But being at that festival, like there were several times where I was like walking around with, um, it was like Android Jones' crew was there doing visuals. All and the Tiffer
0: Fiends. Yeah. You're like it was very know. much
1: like, you find these people from the U.S. and then you're like best friends all weekend because you're like,
0: this is us. It's yeah,
1: actually where I met 100 drums as well. Oh, I was really? on the dance floor okay. in Portugal. Um, that was like, 2012 was my first year going. So that was wow. back, way back in 2012. Um, but yeah, like you're like, wow, we're the Americans here. Like we it, it there is a nuanced difference for mm-hmm. sure, I think, in. Psytrains culture globally. Like, first of all, people don't wear shoes. It's like a thing where you're like connecting with the ground, through yourselves into the sky, whatever, whatever. So like, people don't wear shoes. So it's like our American crew is like, you know, I'm not taking my boots off for anything. For no one. So, um, you know, and then there's just a little bit like, I hate to say it, but a little bit less ego around materialistic items. What people are wearing and what people are, you know, who's doing what. Like, it's very like, a psychedelic gathering. Yeah. Know? And that was what I took away from it was like everything in, in, in Europe is very like cerebral, right? It's all trance. All the energy is like up here. Whereas in America, we're like bass music. It's really like, se- you know, like lower yeah. sequel energy and we're like thrusting our hips. And one is not like better than the other, or worse than the other, but th- that in itself creates this different energy. Different so, God. I, you know, I wouldn't trade those experiences for, for the world because it. Veil wouldn't be like what it was today without so much experience. That, you know, having that influence. So. Absolutely, I jumped into like this whole
0: deal. Like, not young, but like when when you're 19, you feel like you're old, but you're really not. old. Yeah. And then and then you kind of grow up, and you're like, wow, like there's so much to take away from so many different aspects. Like my first different friends, totally eye of me experience. Yeah. Coming from someone who had done. SMFs and the EDCs and you're like, oh timber. Yeah. Like this that's where I saw a lot for the first time. And and he experienced the Android Jones, the the he he does that like not tent, but like the overhead deal where he does his whole experience and you go in and you lay down. And it's there's so many different facets underneath this like large umbrella of electronic music. And yeah, I didn't do a lot of festivals this year like I did last year. And gold rush is like my my only i would say like very mainstream edm fest. i'm about to <laughs> yank this off unreal um and i just i i sometimes feel like i'm obviously not too old to partake but i always forget about the outfits and 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 the whole like we're here and we're on a racetrack and like it's it's the the bedazzled and the this and the that and the classes and and then you go to somewhere where like now is way more my cup of tea, like even a Red Rocks. And that's my biggest difference that I noticed moving up here. Yeah, I get it, it's not as hot and humid as Florida, but I think everybody likes to be naked in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so and up here it was just kind of like, wow, like I can go to a show or I could go here and like you know, not really, like, have to put on this big outfit to not be looked at like you're a bum on the side (laughs) of the road, you know? Everybody just kind of does their own thing, and it's more so really for the music and the culture and, like, what you're doing, just, like, coming up here and understanding that psychedelics are way more accepted than, you know, being in Florida, where it's really, like, cocaine and liquor like yeah. it's just the difference it's yeah. the miami crowd versus the denver crowd and how yeah. opposite and polar opposite can you really get and i obviously like way better. Yeah. <laughs> i don't think i'm ever gonna go back to florida but it just shows just like people are so different and cultures are so different even within the u.s where you know as an artist like you have your primary demographic markets that like Fuck with meal. And then you probably have places you go where you're like, okay, I'm still trying to build here, but like maybe what they like isn't necessarily like my cup of tea kind of deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's it there's micro pockets throughout the USA and like it can feel very similar mm-hmm. in a lot of different places that you go, but I, I'm also new to Denver, you know? Yes. So even though it's kind of been like a second home-ish for me for, for many years. Um in my mind, I feel like you've been here for like 10 years. That's what literally everyone says. Like they're like, You moved like, to mail Denver. I'm yeah, like, cool. I moved yeah. to Denver and everyone's like, You didn't live already. <laughs> um But no, I was at like one of my best friends from home growing up lives here with her husband. And first place I ever tried psychedelics was here on a mountain called Montezuma. Oh yeah. Where Bob Dylan recorded his uh one of his albums. And yeah, like no electricity, you know, 20 people, it was like a or 20 houses, or whatever, but it was a July 4th Montezuma party. And I had just never in my New Jersey life seen anything oh, like what Jersey. was going on on that mountain that okay. night, like foosball tables getting lit on fire and fireworks. And like, I, I was like, whoa. So, my friends moving here when I still lived in Jersey really also opened my eyes to that. And they mm-hmm. were up in Keystone. Okay. So we were doing a One lot more like – One of my favorite like, spots. Yeah, were yes. doing, we were doing all that like Gaper, you know, yeah. Colorado Yeah, stuff.
0: you're out there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about Colorado is – and I always have friends who visit here and they're like, you know, I think Colorado is really like – a Denver is really a place that you have to know where you're going. You can't just like walk down and be like, oh, here's this and here's this and everything's right shiny and bright and the lights are everywhere like new york or like miami or chicago you have to like really be educated on how to either like google search and read your reviews right or like have friends who live here and stuff and i think when people come here and they they know people who live here to show them what's up they're like blown away by it right and it's only one facet like when i moved out here it was because i couldn't live in florida anymore but it was not for music it it, it coincidentally universe was like you don't have a manager right now cool I had some meetings with someone then I found out they lived in Denver I was like cool that's fucking awesome that this worked out but in my head it wasn't like wow Denver has this crazy music scene it was like okay the summers are going to be kind of dead you'll have red rocks which is going to be super cool and then like you're really going there to get away from this hot and humid climate and like be up in the mountains and like have that duality of nature and then I moved here and I was like Holy shit. I was like, this shit's wild. Like yeah. the summer's here, are crazy. The spring and the fall's crazy. And then on top of that, you have the option to drive 45 minutes in any direction, north or northwest or southwest, and you're just like in this serene, beautiful atmosphere that in my personal experience has like really helped like my creative inspiration. Yeah. Being able to say, okay, we're all coming together. Everybody put $100 down. We're getting a house in the mountains And we're gonna go up and we're gonna write, or we're gonna go and we're gonna wake up at six AM and we're gonna go and make a snowboard day and be back in Denver by two. Like there's just not many other places in the United States that you can really do
1: that. Right. No, I totally agree. I my joke since moving here has been that it's the craziest festival I've ever been to. You know, it's (laughs) It's so (laughs) true. It's why a festival can't survive. Yeah, it's festival like, all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's like one weekend, you're like, okay, no, I'm not going to the stage this weekend. I'm going to the mountain stage and I'm taking the, the, the day off. You That's know, it's so like strange. going to the river for a day at a festival. <laughs> like, um, but it's for me, it's also just the amount of like inspiring acts that I have access to. Yeah. Like, here is overwhelming, you know, and moving in the beginning, you're like, I got to go to it all. And I definitely did that. And I have, I've had to learn very much. Like I can't see every set I want to see because no, I'm can't. very much like a like a music rat. Like someone's here, I want to see them. You'll you know? be out every single night yeah, for the rest literally. of your life. Like the U- the amount of UK artists that oh. came this summer Spoiled. that I had to just I just did. But you know I'd go see the select ones, but like the weeklies and all this stuff. Like I just couldn't I couldn't keep up. So mm-hmm. it's been overwhelmingly inspiring to be here, and you know it's the the hub of, of bass music like I'd say yes. most artists probably 99% of them will say Denver's their favorite market yeah. you know to play and there's a reason for that yes the vibes are here so um vibes are here the artists are yeah. here like it's it definitely says something when like I feel like
0: a copious amount of people move here from LA because LA is maybe not the right spot for them like it's just this very you know I still feel like we're maybe ahead of the curve maybe not but I I just feel like it's just going to get so much bigger. I still feel like there's so much expenditure for like this whole market to grow and everybody is just kind of like pushing the envelope. It's kind of like with technology. I'm a a Joe Rogan fiend rat and I listened to like all of his episodes and all of his podcasts and he had some guy on. They were talking about like the development of AI and the development of technology and all of this shit. And the guy's like, well, I just don't feel like the younger, like, millennial generation is being like, How far can we push the envelope? How far can we do this? But that's how I feel like the people who work in music here are. They're like, What new venue can I open? What new act can I bring? What new act can I develop and break? And da 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 you know, now let's do a venue in it. Here, let's do a venue in a new warehouse venue. Cool. Let's do the underground, the Renegades. Dah, 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 dah. And it's like, people are just so ambitious. And I think there's so much also like, competition within different promotion groups that I look at it like restaurants here where like if you're not good and you're not unique like you're not going to survive where they've all found their niche whether it's a black box or it's it's served or it's all of the AEG venues they all kind of do their own thing and and even as an artist too like I've I've forever heard the statement you know before your first headline here like you got to know you have a so you got to know you have a market because you're never going to be the only one playing that night. Right. coming somewhere from Tampa, where it's like you had Ritz and now you have TK, which is super awesome. We've never had that. I think this is the existence of the music scene yes. there, but it would be like you have one artist coming
1: in. If you're an EDM fan, you know where you're going. Yeah. And it's not like that here. No. Last weekend it was, or a couple of weekends ago, it was sold out Easy Baked at Ogden, mm-hmm. sold out Caspa, Hamdi, Sikaria at and they're probably in that
0: same Oh, circle. Yeah. yeah. And it's all sold out. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: It was, I was like, wow, good job, Denver. Um, but no, I totally <laughs> agree. And it's it's the ri- one of the riskiest markets to throw a show into mm-hmm. or a headline or whatnot because of that too. You've done a
0: headline at Serves,
1: right? Yeah. So I did yes. my first headline not um, too long ago. June 8th. Okay. Yeah. yeah, in yeah. And it was amazing. And we had a whole kind of A V concept that we tied with the headline and it was very much um, a journey, I'd say. It wasn't just like, okay, here's a veil set, boom. It was I I had my, which recently came out on my surveillance EP, but crafted four tracks that all had um essentially custom AI samples that I generated through a story I wrote that I then it, it became a story. Yeah. Four so the set was then broken up of like those four tracks kind of outlining the story and then filling in the gaps, you know, in between with a lot of my other music and, and other vibes that kind of fit in that. But it was um, it was very much an AV set. We had every track. That's actually one time where I did have to plan every Tom track. Cody. Um Yeah. And that was super stressful for me. Um, but my VJ was able to have, you know, before the set. For each song, he had been able to pair a visual element that went along with the story. Yeah. So it and he's pushing me every day like this is this is what we're doing moving forward. And I'm like, don't make me like, um, don't. I that's can't. so
0: good, though. I think I I definitely have people who kind of do that in certain divisions, like certain aspects. Man, I'm I'm someone that I work really good for other people. But sometimes it's hard for me to work really good for me, which is something that you have to do in like this. I have to say, okay, you're not clocking in for Lizzie, Scott. You're clocking in for Lizzie Jane. She's your boss. And like keep it moving forward. Like commit, finish, done, pitch, move on, let it go. Like Because I think it's really easy as an artist to overthink things or think about a million different ways you can approach things. And not just like commit and say this is what I'm doing. I don't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks. And just to have one person who's like, go to it, like keep going, kind of deal. I think is is really lovely. And yeah, I was listening to that EP on the way over, and it sounds like I mean, it starts like a movie would start almost, like if you were listening to a movie with like the TV off, kind of deal with a cappella and or not the a cappella, but dialogue moving back and forth. So those were all like AI generated. Yeah. So
1: they the the main character, Ozel, is actually my roommate um, because I wanted her voice to be more humanized. Mm-hmm. So I just like recorded her talking yeah. and I pitched it up a little bit. And then the AI, there's like three different AI characters that go throughout the songs. And I like, you know, wrote wrote it up. I have AI kind of like say it out loud and then I can bounce those to, to samples. So that was really yeah. fun and a little harder than you would think. Just getting everything to be the right tempo, the right voice, yep. you know, and I wanted like each of the AI, like one of them, the server boss. Like I knew he needed to be like really long, yeah, a lot of sub and and whatnot. Versus like the friendly AI that was kind of helping Ozil through the server. Like she's a little more like you know cheery and I'm here to help you and and whatnot. So that it was fun. Um, it was a fun process, and I I'm going to continue to do that with sampling. I really liked that mm-hmm. of being able to kind of create what I want things to say, which I've done up to this point mostly with my own voice. And I either pitch it like high enough or low enough to where you can't tell it's me because I don't have a singing voice or even a yeah speaking yeah, voice yeah, for like, the songs. But um with the AI I've been able to be like, okay, I want a British man for this one or I want a, you know, whatever it is and and find, you know, and then have them say it I can pick how fast and slow kind of it. it's it's really nice. You know, yeah. it's easier than me being like saying things on you know, saying it and then pitching it up and then it's too long and, you, you know, the whole drill. So it's been a fun process to dive into and I'm sure I'm going to keep kind of getting deeper into that. So
0: I feel like that's how, you know, I get the AI conversation. I get the AI stigma. I totally understand, like, the quote-unquote, like, threat, but I also think it could be an aid for a lot of things, especially in production. And, you know, I think that's a great example of how to use AI to not be going on splice and saying dark, creepy, scary vocal from a horror movie, help me. And then you have you hear 20 other songs from the right, right. case. And and I, I just think in the long term, you know, they can replicate what's already been done. But I don't maybe it'll be in our lifetime, but I I will find it very interesting to obviously see the rollout of it in the next decade. And I feel very confident that they're only going to be able or it's only going to be able to replicate what has already been put out into the world. It's going to be hard to create something that they don't have a database of something to pull from. And I think in our lane, it's going to force people to be innovative. It's going to force people to be more creative. And I I think the fans are ready for that. I think consumers are ready for that. I, I think people who maybe haven't gone into their we live in such like a a niche world where we can kind of like lose ourselves and we know about all these different subgenres and all these different events and yeah. all these different sides to electronic music. But most of, I would say, most of the average consumers, you know, go to their average festival and there it is and they're hearing the same acts that sound the same or you've got one act that's playing their same live show six years later. Uh-huh. I don't know if there's going to be like, really like a window for that and maybe 10 years from now, maybe it'll it'll really force people to just like think next level and I think fans are like going to be like, let's go, cool, sweet, we're ready kind of deal. Yeah.
1: Well, it comes back to like, I always think about it with a human attention span. Like I I don't have the exact, yeah, the exact like fact in front of me, but it was generally the fact was around the year 2000, human attention spans were 17 minutes. Oh now God. we're down in 2023. You don't want to know this. It's seven seconds. Yeah. And if you think about when you look at stories, see TikTok. it's like a 15 second story. How many times do you click through the story before the 15 seconds is over? Almost every time because we don't have the attention span. So if you apply that to what you were just saying in regards to like fans, it's like, how do we keep their attention? Mm-hmm longer than seven seconds on the internet on a stage you know wherever it may be um and that can be applied to you know any any business model not just music but it is going to continue to be like it's it continually important to just keep innovating when we can as these ai things get integrated and i do lessons with um someone named ben and canty okay um and have for your for a while, he's an old friend of mine. He has uh, the Zebler and candy experience. I
0: was literally in my head, I'm like, in Connie, in Kenny. Yeah. I was like, I can see it in my head and that's what it is. The Zebler yeah. and Constant. So he experience. does like
1: these, he lives in uh, Scotland and he does these beat retreats and he's a full-time Ableton certified producer. He's been yep. working for Ableton for 18 years. So wow. the man's like really knows his shit. Yeah. Um, he, little crevice of the Ableton. It's, it's insane how much he's just improved like helped me improve my workflow like mm-hmm. just little like oh this button that button this button like little things that have saved me so much time um outside of all the sound design design techniques and things I'm learning but he showed me something a few weeks ago that he's working on with Mr. Bill I was literally at every time somebody says certified ableton instructor I go Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill <laughs> yeah exactly so him and Mr. Bill um I don't maybe no I'm sure he's I know he's posted about it, so I'm sure he's fine talking about it, but it's like a little plugin that goes into Ableton and you can direct it to any folder. So he showed me an example where he directed it to like a Rhythm base folder okay. and then generate samples. Boom. It's like a chat GBT for Ableton. It then spits out like a hundred custom samples that are referenced from the reference folder. So if you were to give it the the... The plug in like classical music it would generate classical music samples, so it's like it's 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 what you said before it's like generating it has to have a database to generate from right, and it's terrifying like and a lot of them are just like so crazy like i was he was clicking through them I'm like, oh my God, like they're really gnarly bass sounds, and it's terrifying to think like that an a i just created this when like I could spend like Whole afternoon and oh. probably not make this sound. I mean, you know? how many producers have you talked to that said for the better half of the last decade, they have
0: two sound design days a week where they clock in and they're working on sounds in one key for eight fucking hours? Yeah. Or I you know <laughs> the virtual riots and like the funk cases of the world, and I'd probably even Mr. Bill, and I'm sure your instructor was around then when you didn't have serum and you didn't have anything and you're creating kicks from synthesis and you're creating, you know, just shit that like, I, I don't even want to
1: know how to do Yeah, (laughs) Like I have
0: no aspiration to, to take a sine wave and say, I'm going to sit here with ADSR and make it turn into a kick in the next two hours and I'm going to love it. And it's, it is terrifying, but I feel like, I don't know. It's a crapshoot. It could go one way or another. I don't think anybody can really predict what AI is eventually going to do. But I think for now, as like a producer, you just have to stay up to current events and trends and use it as an aid to make your workflow more efficient. Because then what happens when you save eight hours on sound design and you get all the sounds you want in five minutes, and then you can work on something else for your project. And then you can, you know, maybe focus on the musicality aspect or you go and you learn something totally new that you can, you know, do. I, just like anything, cell phones, internet, there's gonna be a lot of good and there's gonna be a shit ton of bad. Yeah. Like it's not gonna be one way around.
1: Yeah. And that's like my general take on AI is I'm like here for AI in general, mm-hmm. but I think in regards to art, it's it terrifies me. It's like yeah. this like the the mid journey paintings. Yeah, like I mean, I'm sure the painters felt how I felt when I locked when I saw that Ableton plug-in. It's like this yeah. is terrifying. Digital
0: art, yeah, this, you know? this
1: mid journey just made this you know, a piece like that in four minutes when it could take years, someone years. So I think like in for art, it's going to have more serious implications. But I think in general, I'm like, you know, I want like even my house, I walk in, I'm like, turn the lights on, lights go on. Like I love the tech forward elements that it brings. Even like when I'm naming songs now, sometimes I'll go into chat GBT like around surveillance. And I was like, Write a love story about these this woman locked in a server and she's in love with a robot. And like I I had the you know, chat GPT and I was like, make it six paragraphs. So it was like super long. And then I took little phrases from that and turned those into samples. So it was like just generating like ideas that, like, cool, I could have maybe written a love letter to a robot, but it wouldn't have been nearly as good as the chat GPT was in. So just using it as for inspiration.
0: Using it for inspiration and, and you know, I just feel like everybody thought AI, I remember when we were kids and they said, by now we would have flying cars and we'd be like traveling above the, the skyline, yeah. like getting to places. And I just think that that the way that AI is being rolled out I don't think anybody thought it would come for artists first. I I think a lot of people thought it would be exactly what you said—more tech savvy, maybe more in business models, maybe you know, neural link stuff. Yes, yeah. Like I'm going to do whatever in my head, like
1: notifications. Yes, yeah.
0: Without me like talking to you and you can't see anything, and I'm here reading a book, kind of deal. Yeah. But you saw it in LA with the strike. You saw it among the writers. You saw it among the actors. I mean. There's people like Joe Rogan that you see show up in ads that he's never done where they use his voice and this is, you know, Shark Tank ads, shit like that. Yeah. And it's it's here. You know, it's it's definitely going to be one of those things where we just have to see how it rolls out. We're <laughs> with the punches. Okay, so what's next for the Veil Project? Do you have any shows coming up that you're excited for? Do you have any? You're on big tour, big tour. Yeah, yeah. so
1: I – well, I just – finished the btsm tour it yep. was like um spread out through a couple months are you on red rocks i okay, am on red okay, rocks okay. next sunday so i have been Shh. trying not to freak out every day such about a it crazy fucking ride because it's is it this
0: sunday, no, it, next, sunday. next sunday next sunday yeah. because it's literally black tire sex machine and then wakan G Jones this weekend. Yeah, G Jones this that, weekend. Which before is that, pretty much
1: my biggest. Inspiration. But like all of my
0: friends, it's literally like you, and then my friend Rublo is playing, and then I think Drink Your Water Kevin's on the next day, and then I play the next day, and then there's somebody else who comes in and plays that Friday, and then Mark Rebelais is like
1: on that Thursday. it's oh, a, it's a crazy yeah. week. Oh, that's amazing. It's, so we're both really Red Rocks cool. girlies. Yes, we are. Yeah, we are. I I, you played it before, right? I played in April with Subtronics. Any
0: uh, little little tips, I guess? Like anything that you were like, wow, I didn't expect
1: it to be like this? Well, so snow Subtronics rocks turned into snow rocks. It was oh, 30 degrees. I remember and the- snowing side face for my whole set. Um, it. And this was the, the most unexpected thing for me was that, but what that Led to was they had to end the show early because they wanted people to get down before things froze. Got it. And so then, yeah, that sense got pushed up and also shortened. Okay. So that was another. Now you get like a real opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was very like the whole day. I was like, I hope it doesn't get canceled, Mm -hmm. was kind of the vibe. And I'm just happy to be here. And yes, I don't care that it's snowing. I'm, you know, I was not cold at all up there. I was really like just warm from nerves and adrenaline. But Having like the shorter set definitely affect like and finding out right before I played affected because I had uh, to I had to figure out like, okay, what 15 minutes am I cutting? And my my thesis was I'm gonna cut like a little bit from each section, yeah. but keep all Insolidate. the sections. Yes. But that then like changed a lot of the like so I do a lot of BPM jumps in my sets, right? So I have a few like moments that like there's some songs that I can't not play because yeah. I'm like I want to get from 140 to 160 mm-hmm. and this is my there's two 150s I could choose from this one doesn't mix so here it is right now so it's like those moments were really hard on stage and that was the first time ever my headline was the second that I had planned the set start to finish with my VJ yes. so
0: it was we it was spent last minute hours planning cutting. these yeah. things
1: and then he went up there not knowing which songs I was cutting, not knowing then, and then he's trying to fit an hour worth of visual content in 45 minutes. So that was like, it was a negative. But overall, the experience was incredible, and of I'm course. grateful that the show went on. that they are
0: playing two times. You're yeah, playing Red Rocks no. two
1: times within a season, which very few acts get. To play. I know it's very surreal. Um, I think I'm less nervous this time because like I've already got that under my belt I know what to expect more like you said but I definitely have e- the equal if not more of the pressure leading up to it which I'm sure yeah. you know the yeah. feeling of but like I think I started getting nightmares in, like the beginning of September and I'm now I'm like
0: okay we have merch we know we're pressing the merch I have maybe my, with my VJ, I have. My live act rehearsing with me, I'm like, okay, it's like we're we're doing the things we need to yeah, do, and exactly. now I just need to like finish my set, plan my outfits all week in advance, yeah. be done, <laughs> and no touching, no no fluctuating, no maybe this, maybe that, no, yeah, done, and then you just get to enjoy it.
1: I love that. That's, I mean, I'm gonna take that advice and maybe plan my outfit a little earlier than for the first running, running especially yeah. having like the full accessibility of living here. Not good. Yeah. No, the first in April, I it was the first time that I bought a outfit. I bought it on Etsy from Bulgaria to wear for Red Rocks, and I was like, okay, this is my Red Rocks outfit. And silly me, I'm like, oh, it'll be warm in April, and it was like shorts and a tank top, yeah, and didn't get to, yeah, obviously (laughs) didn't get to wear it. So that morning, I was literally like, what do I wear? And like. That when I think when you're having those stress. high stress situations, yeah. those decisions, which are normally easy, become like way harder. Yeah. So that's, that's good advice. I'll plan my outfit in advance again. You, play, but you put it away. You say, I'm not
0: looking at it until the day of you put it on.
1: Yeah. Done. I love that. All right. That's that's on my to do yeah. list next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Any
0: so what's what's coming up in the future? So, so I have, have Red, Red Rocks future.
1: next weekend and then Halloween right after that. Oh, so excited! Yeah. So I'm very excited to be going back there. Um. And then in November, I'm on immersive tour for eight dates. Love, yeah. And then I get the whole month of December off, which I'm you're like, thank God, very happy about. <laughs> yeah. um, which I'll do. Like I, you know, I just became an, uh, an aunt and whatnot, so I, I will still be busy and traveling in December. I go see my my niece and whatnot, but um, it'll be a nice little break after yeah. and, after November tour. I'll be doing the tour bus thing for for uh, two weeks. So yes, it's
0: very fun, but yeah.
1: You know it's tiring. Get off, like, and, like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love the bus when I did it with Liquid Stranger because you you don't have to go to airports.
0: That's my thing. And it's I'm like, never alone. I'm like, willing to make sacrifice if I don't have to deal with fucking airport. I can just go to sleep. Maybe it's a little bumpy. Whatever. Take an edible. You wake up the next day. You're in a new city, and then you actually have like
1: time to see the city. Yeah, like or which work so music. Like, or yeah. Get a pedicure. Like yeah. You you get this extra time with that traveling. You're you, like here. How early can
0: I get there? Okay, now we're paying for the Uber. Okay, now yes, we're having dinner. dinner. Yeah. I need to sleep anyways.
1: And then you wake up at 9pm and you're like, I'm off to the club, and then yeah. I'm off to the airport. Yep. Here we go. Yeah, so I'm I'm taking it with I'm excited to get back on the bus, which yes. I am. Um, But I think once I get on for like a week and a half, you're like, oh, I wish this was longer. That's a lead, like liquid. I was on the bus for two months and I was terrified before I got on. That's a long. And weekend. then I was like and I went home like once in, be- in, in between that to see my animals, but I, when I got off, I was like, I don't ever want to get off. So I'm yeah. sure it'll be the same Good. with this. Um, yeah. And then some exciting tour things shaping up for next year. So we'll see. But I can't believe it's almost the end of the year. Oh, I know. does yeah. I, I feel like even up here with
0: seasons, I feel like it goes faster. Like yeah. In Florida, you're like hot and humid all the time. Yeah. And then here you're like, oh, the leaves are changing. Oh, it's snowboard season. Oh, it's getting warmer. Oh, yeah. it's summer. Like let's go out. Like, da, da, da. It's 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 cool. It's well, fun. thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on. I'm so glad we got me. to do
1: this. And congratulations on everything. Thank and you. Enjoy it all. Yeah, I appreciate you. I love what you're doing with this project appreciate and it. showcasing, you. you know, ver- a variety of different artists that deserve really cool. it. Yes. So I'm I'm blessed to be here. And let's fresh red rock yes, next absolutely. week. <laughs> thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.